You are listening to Legion of Substitute Podcasters, episode 570. Five years later, part 15, Evil O's 11. And welcome to episode 570 of Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Today, uh, well, today, as always, I am Paul French, but today in particular, I am Cars Kid, oh, observing yeah. observing the passing of the, the now late, great uh, Rick Ocasek. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. Cheers. Yeah, well, Cheers. I have, I, and I actually have a, it's funny, I, I didn't learn about it until... Um, a friend of mine posted about it, and and uh, he always remembers my Rick Ocasek adjacent uh, story. And oh. uh, so, a number of years ago, I was uh, uh, flying uh, to Montreal for work, and uh, I was reading a guitar magazine, as I am oft to do. And, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, and um, the guy next to me. Um, Asked me if this is if that's the the new issue of Guitar World, and I said, "Yeah, it is." And uh, and uh, look on the cover and realize he is the guy. And uh, so it was Eric Erlinson from the band Hole, which was uh, Courtney Love's band. And um, so we get to you know chatting about guitars and stuff. And um, and at some point, I said something where he where he's like, "Oh yeah, well," and he points over and he's like, "Yeah, well, Melissa, she was the bass player at the time." Um, you know, she, she was, she was really into that. And, uh, and, and I said, Oh wait, she's on the flight. Cause she played on that new Rick Ocasek solo album, which was new at the time. And, um, uh, it was produced with, uh, Billy Corgan. And so she played bass on a few of the tracks. And, uh, I, I said like that, that whole thing, uh, that, that whole, uh, uh, album is just fantastic. And, at the time, uh, Okasik had written a column in um, sort of a prototype issue for what would become Home Recording Magazine. And um, he just gave all these little tips and it was like, oh, that's brilliant, like so simple and so and just a, a genius idea. And so my friend Bill and I had determined that he should, you know, on his business card, it should say Rick Okasik, super genius. <laughs> Indeed. And so I tell him that story, and he just yells back, Hey, Melissa, this is the guy that bought the Rick Ocasek album. <laughs> because it, it was largely under the radar. <laughs> the guy. And, uh, and, and, and she's like, Oh, that was such a great experience. And I'm like, Yeah, he's like a super genius, right? And she says, I know. And so that is my Rick Ocasek related story. So a friend of mine had asked me to recount the story again. So now I just have to point a link to uh, to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Over to you, sir. Hi, everybody. I am Darren Well, and tonight I am Welp. That happened, kid. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Uh. I came home Thursday night from work, and uh, the cat had left me a gift in the middle of my comforter. Mm-hmm. Ooh. This gift was brown and smelly. Ooh. I shan't get graphic. Um, so another cat? I, uh, it could be at what? least three things. No, it's it's the thing you think it is. 
is the thing that usually goes in the sandbox. Yes. Okay. It did not go in the sandbox, apparently, this time. So I got annoyed. I did what I had to do to clean it up. I stay up late, wash the comforter, dry the comforter, use a an old comforter, um, and left the new one, the, well, the newish one downstairs to dry and everything for the next day. I come home Friday. Uh-huh. Cat has now decided that it would, good th- it would be a good thing to leave a brown gift on my pillow. Oh, oh trolling you big time. Oh, yeah. So that happened. So Have you scooped Kat- the box? Oh, totally. Totally. The box was clean that Thursday night. Mm. So I am now officially angry. <laughs> I, I put Cat in confined quarters. With just what he needs to survive. Cat you jail. Know, food, food, <laughs> yes. Water, a, a scratching post, and um, the comforter, because apparently he likes to go on comforters now, and the litter box, just to see what he would do. Yeah. Saturday morning, I wake up. Cat has gone on the uh, the comforter again in the room. Litter box is untouched. I'm like, okay, something's up. Now I'm I'm moving right, so I'm packing things up. I'm thinking the cat is stressed. I am thinking the cat is stressed out. And so I just need to leave him in there until I get everything packed and ready to go. And then I I will go in that room, scoop him up, put him in his carrier and go. Right? Mm -hmm. No. Because for the first time in a long time, I put on a pair of white socks the other day. And I walked through the bedroom. And I went to the bathroom and I looked down. I was like, what is that that's moving on my socks? Moving. I have a flea infestation. Oh my god. So the cat wasn't going to his normal places to because he wasn't scratching. He was just suffering quietly through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, oh my god, this is why the cat is upset. Mm -hmm. Now, let's, let's fast forward a week ago. I started to develop what I thought was a rash on the bottom of my feet and on my, um, you know, my feet, my ankles, my, my calves. And I thought it was the new medication I had been put on. Nope. Flea bites. Uh, I've had that before with, uh, with my dog years ago. Oh, so I, your outdoors cat. No, Hmm. no, I have no idea how the fleas got into the house to get to. No idea. One rogue flea that was pregnant that has now got thousands of babies. So I have. Oh, and it, and it gets better. By the way, it's, today they announced a a uh, oil water advisory. Oh. Yeah. So I can't like drink like normal during the show. So I can't read anything because I will I will run out of spit. Oh, so yeah. that's why that's why I can't uh, do anything. And I I found this out six hours after I had already. Wait, what problems does Atlanta have with this water? Uh, <laughs> the power went out at the uh, pump station. Oh, so Ooh. stagnant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they're waiting for results to get back. Yeah. But as of this recording, they're like, don't drink any water. I'm like, well, too late. I have a gallon in me. Well, so that like, happened. Don't you, have, like, <laughs> don't you have like beer or yeah. alcohol? Um, no, because of the thing that's going to happen on Wednesday, which oh. is heart surgery. Everyone, don't panic out whoa, there. Whoa, it's whoa. a catheter. Yeah, it's a catheter procedure. I'm having it on Wednesday. Um, haven't told you guys yet. I'm telling you now. Wow. Because <laughs> it 
it's about to happen. It's to fix my irregular heartbeat. Right. So I'm a little nervous about it. But mm-hmm. It's in the middle of your moving, I, too. I, well, I'm not moving till the end of the month, so I've got that's on hold because I can't lift anything over like ten pounds for yeah. a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next question. So I've I've done everything I can do to pack up stuff that I can, and I've got friends who are going to stay with me. Yeah, and all that other jazz in the interim. But Wednesday, good juju would be welcomed in the interim. Uh, indeed, you know, indeed. however you oh. want to see it. Um, so that's going to happen. So now I have a cat confined to quarters. I have nothing in the house to drink but caffeinated drinks. And I need to go damn. to bed soon. Uh, damn. So I, I, I can't do anything. Yeah. So, because I, I absolutely cannot have alcohol at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, over to you. <laughs> Follow that, bitches. Mic <laughs> uh, drop. Well, Peace. okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, I am Michael Grabois. And to keep it short, so Darren can go to bed. Uh, today I am I am rule breaker lad um, because when? huh <laughs> said since when today well today is apparently as of today, today as of right now this today as we record this it's Sunday and I had tacos for dinner taco Sunday it is taco forbidden Sunday okay. oh wow wow you're a rebel I am <laughs> you you sir I'm live on the body. edge. You're a rebel, Daddy. <laughs> He's a rebel without a sauce. <laughs> Pretty much. And, uh, and also, uh, apparently, we have now figured out who got Eddie Money's other ticket to paradise. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah, damn. Yeah. That's yeah. true, too. Uh, so that's it for me. Over to you, Jim. Hey, everyone. I'm Jim Purcell. And I'm going to say this week I am Bonanza Boy. Um, so last week I mentioned I was going to visit my parents out of state. And so during that trip, you know, as you do, I'm in a place I've never been before. Got to find those comic shops. Yeah. Uh, Got to find those bargain bins that are, that I've never touched. And <laughs> <clears throat> so I swung by a, a, a shop that was in, it's near Utica, New York. Um, wasn't in Utica, but it was nearby. Uh, walked in there and it was a pretty cool shop, uh, but they didn't have dollar bins. No, no, they didn't have quarter bins. No, no, they had six for a dollar bins. Oh, wow. Which is absurd. And just to make a long story short, I found 85 comic books that I paid $14 for, uh, primarily composing of cross-gen comics that I really needed to fill out my collection and a whole bunch of Savage Dragon. So I thought you. I figured you would have had all the dragon. Issues. Oh no, I'm a I'm a bad bad fan. I uh, <laughs> bad bad. I have fan. all I have all the early issues in trade paperback format, but oh okay. Yeah, so now I'm filling in the single issue stuff, which I almost have a complete run of Savage Dragon up through 184. Um, getting there. Um, cross gen stuff. I love cross gen. It was a company that briefly existed in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. They focused primarily on science fiction and fantasy comics. Uh, stuff they don't make enough of elsewhere, uh, even today. Um, I was a big fan so of them. Was then. that the one Perez was on, but then yes. kind of like suspended because JLA Avengers happened? It's complicated what actually what happened there. Uh, but yes, yeah. uh, Perez was involved. Mark Wade was involved. Uh, uh, Ron Mars was involved uh, heavily. Tony Bedard. 
Yeah, um, a, lot, a, lot of, of, a lot of good comic book people. Yeah, and that's of, where they all had to move to move to was it yes, Florida? The compound in Florida. Yeah, the compound. Yeah, it, there was a quote unquote kind of a cult thing. Uh, like a, it was almost like a cult where because the the idea was they wanted to go back to the old style of everyone working in the same place. So they bought a warehouse, like brought a all the talent down to Florida, moved everyone down there. Yeah, wow. basically a bullpen system. But yeah, all your like biggest like famous art, uh, big artists right now like jim chung and like uh, i can't think of oh um uh, imoten i forget his first name Stuart. Stuart, yeah i'm pretty sure if not their start they got they got a lot of opportunity to like refine their styles at cross gen mm. before it crashed and burned really hard at the end mm. yeah uh, but but now they're all like you know your big names with your jlas and your your avengers artists and so if you ever go, if you ever find cross-gen comics in your back issue bins, don't be afraid to check them out. You might see some names that are making waves today because it was it was it was highly unique for a company and the and the support it had. But it grew too fast, it too quickly, and it just could not sustain the readership it needed. Also, DreamWorks screwed them because they were supposed to make a movie and then pulled out the last second and killed all their really killed all their opportunities there, and it killed the company. But so I love it screws people over. What? <laughs> but but yeah, I, I love finding cross gen comics in in dollar bins just because it's 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 a small enough like uh, canon of work that you can own all of it for a reasonable price. It's just you know it's tracking them down. Yeah, yeah. So it's but and so yeah, finding these bins and this that comic shop put a huge dent in my 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 uh my list. So Maybe good times for hat. Comics are great. I love comics. <laughs> Aww. Oh yeah, I also found a cop. Oh, randomly at an <laughs> antique store, I also found a copy of uh, Adventure Comics uh, five. What was it? Five thirty uh, three fifty three. Death of uh, Feralad. Aw, just sitting there for three three dollars. It was. It's highly beat up. It's a really bad shape, but the cover's still attached, and yeah, all the pages. There you are... go. That's a win. Uh huh. Yeah, total total win. Yeah. Seriously, that that is that is one of the great issues for sure. It was just fun to find, just because it was just sitting in a pile of random stuff, like old key comics and. Oh uh, yeah, gold key, nice. Gold, yeah. Uh, beats it beats it when you didn't have enough money to like buy real DC comics, so you wound up with the Whitman three pack. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, and your OCD kicks in and says this doesn't have the right logo on it. Yeah. <laughs> For me, that was the Earth. The um the the. Uh, issue of uh, Earth War, where the Dark Circle guy um, is uh, getting all up in Superboy's grill, and oh. uh, that one oh. for me for the longest Don't time. Don't tug on that cape. That's right, and for me that uh, so I think that's two forty four, or yeah, that somewhere that right. There. Yeah, and um, yeah, so so I, I had that I I had that one as a Whitman one, and for years I was like I I got to replace this because this is this is just embarrassing. <laughs> I know. Right? Oh wait, so it was like a reprint with a, like a different logo on the yeah, cover. Yeah, totally. Well, totally. but oh, they right. they came out at the same time basically. But it was just yeah. that um, they had the um... they basically had a Whitman. Uh, was it the same company that made the candies? Whitman, like Whitman's favorites. I, makes... I wouldn't think so. But the but the logo looked like a W. Well, duh, it was a W, but it was instead of the DC. Yeah, instead yeah. of the DC. So yeah. everything else was the same. Everything was the same. Yeah. So you would buy these like 
three packs of comics, and it was always cool comics oh, no. on the outside. It and ha- in the yeah. one in the middle was typically the dog. It had oh. it it had the DC logo. What it didn't have was the UPC code, like the UPC. Yeah. So that it, where the UPC would normally be, there was the Whitman logo. Okay, I'm I'm seeing a. I uh, did a Google search on it. I have seen some of these issues. It's yeah. like the DC logo is blacked out and has like the yeah. Whitman logo. Interesting. Yeah, Pretty not much. not all like that's yeah. It's like you would get a Superman story, and on the back was like Adventure Comics or something, and in the middle would be like Young Love or something. It's like these three things don't go together. Yeah, yeah, and it was always like like trying to figure out what the third issue was in the, in the pack. Um, yeah, you know, because it's like, well, what if I have? What if I already have one of them? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's that funny. I true. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very strange. Very strange. All right. Um, so hey, is there any uh, Legion news this week? Well, as a matter of fact, wow. uh, the uh, the December solicitations came out, and yes. so we know what uh, Legion number two is going to be about. Uh, written by Bendis, art and cover by Ryan Sook, uh, cardstock variant by Jim Chung. A Jim Chung and, guy uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah, and both of those um, both of those are out on the preview site. Um, it's been 1,000 years since anyone has seen the oceans of Earth, but with Aquaman's original trident re- recently discovered, a chase to control Earth's future tears across the galaxy. Ooh. All this and the reunion you'd, you never thought you'd see. Another DC sci-fi epic into the far-flung future like you've never seen before. So, um, a couple yeah, questions immediately spring to mind. Um, number one. Number one, I thought the Earth was destroyed. Or at least that's what the cover implied. That that variant cover with uh, John Kent looking at the history of the future. And number two, uh, how could you have not seen the oceans for a thousand years when we're doing this Millennium series that clearly shows the Earth has existed for a while, even if it gets destroyed later? Those are two good questions. I guess we'll find out later. Um, the only <laughs> uh, something that that came to mind on. The oceans of the Earth. Uh, back in nineteen early seventies, when uh, Jack Kirby's OMAC was being published, issue seven had this guy named Doctor Scuba, S K U B A, Scuba, who who used um, uh, Kirby Tech to uh, create a machine that would take all of the water, like in a lake, and compress it because you know atoms and molecules are mostly space in between the atoms and compress it to the point where you could put it into a a giant cube or a bar. And so at the end of issue seven, he was going to do that with the Atlantic ocean, Mm. but he never got a chance to before the book was canceled. Mm. So who knows? Well, it does sound like they might be trying to rebuild the earth. It might be what the main first storyline is about. At least that's my speculation. Hmm. Uh, Maybe. And we'll then, find out. Uh, yep. The um, so the uh, the Ryan Sook cover has um, Superboy and the Legion in what looks like an ocean. Superboy clutching Aquaman's trident, and then the Jim Chung cover is a group shot. And right now, it's only in black and white. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, meaning we haven't seen the 
haven't seen a color version of it yet. Yeah, I'll look forward to seeing the color version of it. I find the the uh, the black and white a little busy. And hmm. I actually really like it. But, uh... it, it, it it's it's fine. It's just I, I find it a bit busy to sort of go through, and uh, um, it it needs a bit more separation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh... there's also like a couple characters missing for whatever reason that we've seen previously. Like the mm-hmm. Fate Helmet character is not there, and I think uh can't remember who else projecta might not be there or no dream girl dream girl's in my yeah well it doesn't have to be every character on every cover that's so, true that would be a busy set uh, of covers yeah so. yep so the uh, also announced um is uh, so that's coming out on december 4th also on december 4th to coincide with crisis on the cw is a facsimile edition of Crisis Number Eight, the one where Flash dies. Um, there are some Legionnaires in that one. If you haven't already read it, well, there are some Legionnaires in it, whether you've read it or not. Yes, mm. they will still be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, a, a question on that: When they say facsimile edition, is this a new thing? I think it means it's a it's a newish ads. it's a newish thing at DC. And I know Marvel's doing it as well, but they are publishing basically exact replicas complete with all the old ads. Oh, oh, that's and, neat. And just, that did, that is very cool. Did those crisis on infinite price. Earth, did those crisis on infinite earth issues have ads? Oh yeah. Yeah. They oh did? totally. Okay. That was the best selling comic at DC Comics for a year. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, uh so then then also coming out uh, December eighteenth. Allegedly is Doomsday Clock number twelve. Uh, this is it, the final showdown between Doctor. Hold on, hold on. December eighteenth. What year? I'm sorry. According got, to previous, they got four months to delay it. Oh, okay. This uh, year so, they're being they're being ambitious. Okay. So the final showdown between Doctor Manhattan and Superman shakes up the DC universe to its very core. But can, can even the Man of Steel walk out from the shadow of Manhattan? And apparently, somewhere in there, we will theoretically see the resolution of the Saturn girl arc. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And finally, uh, coming next summer, June of 2020 is uh, Legion silver age omnibus volume three, uh, reprinting adventure 361 all the way up through the end of the action run. So 680 some odd pages. Woohoo. That's uh, an omnibus for ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> and now tell me what you'd pay. Uh, you can probably get probably twenty percent off on Amazon as it gets closer. Probably. Yep. Well, there we have. And it. that's that's all Legion news I got. Anybody got anything else? Um, you know what? I'm gonna just knock out some of the feedback. Um, okay. Before we uh, do feedback. Before we get feedback. to the issue. Um, do we have letters? <gasps> letters. <laughs> we got some letters. All right. Um. Okay, so I did. Yes, I did that. Unflag this. All right, I did the. Um, I did Thomas's. Uh, and did I do this one? Um. I think I did about the uh dis- the. Uh, Disco Dazzler Darren. And so <laughs> let's move to 
this past week. Talk about Hollywood screwing over comics over a property. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, from David Spaforth on the uh, on the website, um, uh, talking about last week's episode, uh, five years later, part 14. So I was right to say 15. Uh, Ultra Boy Talk Pretty Someday. Um, he said, well, he said, hi, team. Well, that was epic. Even after last week's first stab at this annual, you find so, you found so much more to talk about. I'm interested to find out what we what it was we didn't talk about last time. Because um, <laughs> um, I didn't listen to it because I didn't want to then yeah, I, I didn't be, want to, be stuck yeah. there. And it seemed and which is great. It worked. Um, even so, I've got some uh, some thoughts of my own to add. The conspirators. You query why some of them were there in the new timeline, particularly Saturn Girl and Duo Damsel. Uh, it's since been established that Lornu had a crush on Valor in exactly the same way she had previously done with Superboy. As for Saturn Girl, well, I don't think she had particularly good reasons for her specifically being there in the old timeline either. He's not wrong. No, no. They just needed a, uh, a telepath to kind of head off the yeah. whole Telus thing right away. I mean, she had as much reason to be there as Cause and Lightning Lab. So yeah, totally. Um, you know, when did Valor discover Invasion Two? Uh, it would originally ha- it would originally have taken place after the 1990s Valor series. In the DOA storyline, the SW6 Valor had to reenact the seeding of the UP worlds due to younger Valor having died before he could do it. Extremely wibbly wobbly. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because SW6 uh, Valor would have already done that. Right? Because mm-hmm. he did that before. You would think. He did that before his think. Phantom Zone Good. exile. So, um, <clears throat> And he said, yeah, that image of Superboy battling Mordru confuses me too. Mind you, in time and time again, even the Superman office had to concede that there was a pocket Superboy in the Legion in some way. Um, and this actually got referenced in the uh, 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 2995 source book, um, saying that he was admit- admitted to the Legion right after Polar Boy's election and was only there for a couple of weeks before dying. He said, before I read the source book, I had my own theory. Here goes. In the Glorithverse, Valor and Laurel were supposed to replace Superboy and Supergirl, but that doesn't work. Just look at the reenactment of Murder Most Foul in the annual. It's Valor and Laurel who take down Joe, whereas in the original it was Monel and Superboy. Valor may have replaced Superboy as the inspiration, but he didn't replace anybody in action. True. Valor is Monel. It would actually make more sense to think of Laurel being the substitute for Superboy in most series, in most stories. Right. Because if she was a Supergirl replacement, then she'd be hard. Then she'd hardly be there at all, as Supergirl was an occasional member at best. Excellent Correct. point. Excellent point. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, but the difference in the Glorith verse is that he never became much more than an honorary member, and only uh, showed up during those. Oh, sorry, sorry, I missed this section here. Um, so I always thought that Pocket Superboy was recruited during the early Silver Age, probably in a story not dissimilar to Adventure 247. But the difference in the Glorithverse is that he never became much more than an honorary member and only showed up during those few occasions when the original story had Superboy, Supergirl, and Monel in action together. Um, and then parenthetically he says, in, 
despite possible intentions and misconceptions, Kent Shakespeare is a red herring. He was never any kind of timeline replacement for Superboy uh, appearances, as his Who's Who entry makes clear that he first joined the Legion early in the five-year gap. So when did the Dragon Court scene take place in Legion history? And when did the Mordith versus uh, Glorith battle take place? It was shown to be after Adventure 316, of course, but since Vi wish, says she wishes she had someone tough and stupid like Joe, it must, it must come before she met Duplicate Boy in Adventure 324, because then otherwise she would have already had someone tough and stupid. Um, so that's a, a fairly narrow window, probably sometime around January 2976 in the timeline. Did Brainiac 5 murder Anne Rid now? I know he was proven innocent in the Pulsar Stargrave series, but I never could make much sense of how that worked. Um, so in other words, what he's saying is, is in this case, was it Brainy through the machinations of uh, Glorith that actually did the, did the killing of, uh, of Anne Rid? Um, I, I believe Brainy set up the events to cause Anne Rid's death. Yeah. yeah. Did he pull the trigger himself? Probably not. He's a mastermind behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. He would have never done it himself. He would have made sure people did it. (laughs) So perhaps another part, perhaps the Pulsar Stargrave part still still held. I'm thinking Um, so, yeah. Now he says, by the way, Brainy went mad after experiencing an entire cycle of the time stream. Funny as it would have been at, at... Roughly this precise time in the timeline that the same thing happened to Jackson Rugarth, who, yeah. of course, many of us will know as um, Infinite, Infinite Man. Man. Not Infinity Man. No, that's very different. And that last line about Phantom Girl, no Legionnaire served so honorably. He says, yeah, until she becomes leader, then it's all run away, run oh away. My, my man, my man. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not fucking wrong. Um, the explicit tag on that. I'm still mad about that bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love Paul Levitz. I do. Yeah. But stop it. Just I, g- I got to think it. that wasn't all him. Um, oh, I well, know it you... wasn't all him, but it was a collaborative effort. Yeah. Before you go on, Paul, I have a uh, a related um, question and answer from Tom Bierbaum. Uh, I asked him uh, a few weeks ago, did you have in mind a particular story for how the Mordru story from Adventure 369-370 would have taken place in the new timeline, given the lack of anyone from the 20th century yeah. in the Legion? And he said, no, we never got around to reworking that story in our minds after the timeline was changed. You're right that it would have been a real challenge to retell that story with no Superboy, Lana, or Pete, but we didn't look much at details of individual stories in the revised timeline, so much as establish the elements or new versions that were important to the new stories we were telling. Yeah. And obviously the original Mordru tale is an all-time classic, so we were probably well advised to avoid tinkering with it, or trying to retell it in any way. Yeah, that's a tough thing. I'm going to come back to that in a second. Um, so he said, thanks for the good words about my meetup with Derek. It was cool how we identified each other in the cafe. He wore a Legion t-shirt and I was reading the Legion companion. 
That's fantastic. And he says, that's all for me now, except to say that I, bur- I burnt up more housekeeping money in the Legion sale, uh, the comicsology sale we talked about. He says, oh, I've got God. all the way up yeah. to the end of five year later now. Yeah, that's fantastic. Anyway, so uh, thank you so much uh, for, for that, David. And um, folks, you can, uh, you can do similar things and have your name read here as well. Um, <laughs> simply by going to Legion of substitutepodcasters.com and clicking on the uh, episode link and leaving a comment right there. Um, so, so sorry, what I wanted to add to what you said, um, you know, just the, the idea of replacing stuff in timelines. Um, and this is where, where that the source books actually proved to be more useful um, in some cases because where they would tell some of the stories again, they wouldn't get into all of them. And they, and there was very much a need for a lot of us uh, at the time, you know, those of us who were really kind of steeped in the, in the continuity to go through and try and figure out like, what we're all, how did this story happen? And how did that story happen? And, uh, and you know, did this not happen? No, wait, he just referenced it. But how did that happen? If, if black Canary is there instead of wonder woman. Oh my and, God. Yeah, right. How and, that, but, but you know happen? what they did um, like, Around this, around the time they were doing these source books, they they would have, um, they would work with uh, with with DC editorial on these, and you know, and we heard a bit of uh, how how Tom worked on on this as well, and you know how they had to come, how they had to come up with these things, or they had to basically consult to find out like, so how did did you guys ever talk about this? And in the case, in many cases, it was no, we weren't worried about that because, like Tom says, it was all about setting in place characters for the current stories and not worrying as much about that but for the source books they had to go back and kind of agree on a canon um with with editorial and so those things would sometimes creep in so i found the titan source book and the justice league source book to be great in sort of going back to so how did that work now you know how did that change things and uh and they did a great job of uh you know and the justice league one especially uh, simply because there was there were more stories to have to figure out, and they were all fairly um, um, key to the narrative of the DC universe, and uh, and they had done all all of that homework in there. So I at that point that's when I thought you know whether I have a chance to play the game or not, it doesn't matter because I just want it so I so that I know what went on, and. Um, they did. They did a really great job on that one with 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 all of these, but uh, but the 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 twenty nine ninety five one in particular because um, again it was the way they did it. Like they didn't just do it through, um, you know. Here's a narrative of the story. It was like here's some things. Here's some objects. Some found objects. And here's what they say on them. And you know, here's a notebook. Um, here's a series of postcards. Here is a, you know, whatever it is. It was something that uh, that sort of tied into the story, but also had all these th- all all of these things that laid out what the what that the story was in continuity. Yeah, my problem with it was, well, it, it came out after the Earth exploded, so um, we didn't have it early in the um, in the run. Well, but- yeah. Well, but but my problem is that this is information that should have come out in the comics um, rather than be in an ancillary source in a format that most people 
most readers would never have even heard of, much less mm. purchased. Did you buy it? Uh, not for a while. Not while the storyline was. Not while the issue was or the series was going on. Um, I just want to say my personal opinion on the, on that particular thing. I don't think it's important to know the details of stuff like that. I mean, it's cool to know. It, it, you're not wrong. I, and I was, I was going to get to that is the, but, you know, this comes down to Giffen's thing about co- uh, continuity versus consistency. Cause, cause let me, let me just real quick. Um, here's how it goes in my head. The events you saw originally, they may no longer matter to the characters in the story you're reading. Cause they happen differently. Yeah. But the events still happened. The universe just got rejiggered. So to their, per- to the I love that rejiggered. That, uh, that's the that's crisis the on right? infinite earth. The reconjiggering. Yeah, we. That's awesome, Jim. That 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 is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan of this. <laughs> Make it so. I don't know. I just, I mean, it, it's interesting. But things like how did that Mordor story shake out? That's kind of the minutia, minutia you don't really need. Well, we in, know, story, in new stories. I yeah, mean, the whole but, point of should be telling you new stories, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's and that's yeah. basically what he's saying, you know, and it, 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 it is, uh, you know, I mean, but, but you know, debating um, continuity and that sort of thing, I mean, that's kind of why we're 570 episodes in, Fair you enough. know, right, right. I mean, that's that's kind of what, it, what it's about. But uh, that said, you know, it is the... Um, there is something to be said for, uh, you know, uh, yeah, we all agree that uh, that that you know th- there's things where it's like if you're establishing a new timeline and you're saying that something happened in the new timeline, then how did it happen? Yeah, um, it, yeah, yeah, you know where where it's the you know it it's when they kind of invite the question. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then I think it it it's in, it's incumbent on them to to have an answer for it. Wait, mm-hmm. Renee Montoya was in the Legion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Wait, Sweet. did I did I say something about the question coming out? Um, <laughs> no, you said the, the question came up. So. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, now, if so I'd said the question came out, then it would be definitely Renee totally, Montoya. Totally Montoya. Montoya. Yeah. 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 Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so to get back to that like Superboy point, so the idea now is that. Laurel replaces Superboy, but Superboy replaces Supergirl. Well, Superboy replaces no one. Really? No, the pocket universe. Superboy. I'm trying to remember. Would replace the Supergirl, like, but, occasional But he didn't come in. He didn't come in that early. That was the point. Yeah, that's the oh, point. Is that, that basically, he was only there for a couple of months, and then he died. Right, okay, so the pocket universe storyline happens, like, and that's like, the only time that character's ever met. The the pocket universe Superboy story happens like Feral Lad's story happened. Uh, you know, joined six issues later, dead. Yeah, you know, or even as long as Quizlet was around. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I feel like Quizlet was around longer than that. But you're right; it's not far off. You know, I mean, somewhere between Feral Lad and Quizlet's tenure. Yeah, I'm not counting Tyrock in that because you could. Also Shut your talk. mouth. I know, but you you could also claim him as being one of these yes. characters who came and went because he was introduced though in the like the two eighteens, right? Two tens, yeah. something like that. But he made his last official first appearance in the two seventies, but he was only used in maybe what, eight comics? If that, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. maybe. So, eh, eh. It's it's that yeah, it's a tough thing, right? It's it's like yeah, long term member Tyrock, and it's like long term really. Um, who won the uh, the lottery to stay behind during this mission? The <laughs> black guy. <laughs> Hold on, let's go ahead and do it. It was never lang a lang clang a lang a lang. Yeah, it was never. Uh, it was not subtle that they weren't writing. And that. it was really never done well. Never. No. Even when they tried to fix it, it was it was a, generally a cock up. That almost made it worse. Yeah, until the, 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 until the they made him kind of a jerk and wanted to go back with his own people, right? Well, so that was, was his primary like, concern. He was a jerk like every other angry black male stereotype in comics was back then. Yeah, you know, I I expected him to say sweet Christmas. Comics, yeah. He was an angry black man because no one could write anything else. It was the like the seventies black exploitation era. Yeah. Right. So they're all shaft. This is yeah, and this is why we make the shaft joke, is because that's the way he was written. Um and and so when you get <clears throat> yeah i mean that that's a whole it has a whole other kettle of tyrock is a whole other kettle of fish isn't he uh but oh, totally totally and it's it's i know it's on it's a tangent haha but oh, take um, a drink. i i totally get that but at the same time the whole superboy pocket universe story happened great okay yeah. it happened woohoo you know? Yeah, because, yeah. I, I, for I, me and my continuity, it always happened. Yeah, I, I think there's answers to stuff. Well, you know why they they left that one sacrosanct? The pocket universe story had to happen in order for because, for a bunch of things in the Superman because universe. for a bunch of things in of ironically because there were a bunch of things in the Superman story that hinged on the uh, on the pocket universe. Because that's from from that stems, you know, comes out with the uh, uh, the uh, Eradicator, and which was of course, uh, a, you know, about to become a, a huge part of of a, a huge defining Superman story, uh-huh. and uh, and so so that yeah, I mean that that's the big the big one. And I, I agree, Michael. It's like the the. Uh, you know, when, once you do away with the pocket universe, the Superman office is like, well, shit, what do we do now? And it's like, guys, you started this shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I see, you know, I know that it wasn't, but it, it almost feels like that could have been a bit of the one-upmanship. You know, it's like, you guys won't let us use the Daily Planet. We have to make, uh, we have to make, uh, take out Supergirl and put in, uh, Monel instead. Fine, fuck you. Uh, you don't. Yeah. You 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 don't. You don't get the pocket universe. Good day, sir. You Good get day. nothing. Good you day. get nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, good times. So uh, you know, again, it's you know, continuity is is great, but given that everybody immediately changes um, things every time they take over a, a book, and that's not. Not limited to the Legion, no. Um, you know, uh, you know. We only need uh, hell. Mark Wade was responsible for a lot of it. You know, when he took over Flash, it was like the, uh, you know, the Magenta story completely changed. Oh, gone. Yeah, gone. Uh, you know, and all of a sudden she was always called Frankie. Really, was she though? When? Um, when did that happen? Because uh, I've got the first issue she appeared. Even the even the bit where it's like you you know she was Frankie and it's like. 
wow, that's a change you had to make? It's like, one day I'm going to write comics. And I'm going to call a girl Frankie. I'm going to change her name to Frankie. Because she'll be the final girl in the horror movie, and all final girls have male-sounding names. Holy shit. You didn't know that? I did not until now. I was this many, yeah. I was this, this many days, years old. When Sorry. I, uh, today years old. I was today years Thank you. Fuck. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's get into well, this. I, I do have uh, two. Oh. Uh, I wanted to also get to the. Uh, we have a couple new reviews on iTunes. Ooh, yes. new reviews. New reviews. A couple of five stars. Oh, uh, nice. Uh, one uh, from August twenty second by Josh Lorenzen. Um. He says, love the coverage, keep it going. Oh, and okay. And <laughs> CJM2525 nice. uh, on September 1st said, not for the sober, but great for all others. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the number of drinking games on this podcast, playing along at home can become a serious deal and disastrous for a liver. The content is worth it, yeah. though, and I can't wait to listen to their expert commentary as we enter a great new Legion run. Woohoo! Nice. Love that. Love that. Yeah, we can we can we be honest about the about the drinking game right now? Um it's not for the uh new new drinkers among you. Okay. <laughs> no. I'm saying. Yeah. This is a, this is a certain level Perfect. of drunkenness that you have yes. required. Yes. Beforehand. Start well, with our the- early episodes and work your way up. Yeah. For professionals only. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Please do. Please, do ladies not and gentlemen. Bus and drive. Yes. Please, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. No wagering. <laughs> yeah. No wagers, please. All right. So we're about forty-five minutes into it. Is it time to get to the issue? I su- yes. I suppose. Somebody. Needs, somebody needs to go to bed. Yeah. I'll. I'll be your backup, uh, Michael, in case you go robot. Okay. Uh, so we have uh, Legion of Superheroes issue number 14 uh, on sale November 13th, 1990, and it's cover dated January 1991. Wow. Uh, the timeline in this issue covers roughly December 15th to December 27th, 2994. Oh, very nice. Um, and I will explain where those numbers came from as we get to them. Uh, so on the cover, it's by, uh, Giffen and Gordon, and you have an evil looking guy who is going after somebody who looks like Tenzel with sunglasses and a poop button. So yep. it must be Tenzel. We know it's Tenzel. Tenzel. Yeah. Yeah. This also looks a lot like the, uh, first cover of the one we saw with Misa. And, uh, so it looks, uh, very, he- the guy looks very evil. Very oh. evil. Oh. 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 oh, is he evil? Oh, oh, oh. I spoiled it. Oh, oh well. So, I had to uh, put on the cover. <laughs> we open it up, and uh, page one, we are deep space in the Tartarus sector. Uh, we first saw Tartarus back in Adventure 350, by the way, when we first met the Devil's Half Dozen. Um, it was uh, a hideout for criminals of many w- worlds, ruled over by an evil genius named Prince Evilo, and you can't get any more evil than a guy who, whose name is Evilo. 
Um, but uh, so here we have some people staying at the Ranchito Mobile Lodge. Um, and uh, there's a ship that comes in. It's got this uh, symbol that looks like uh, brass knuckles or a BB or a couple of eights or something like that. Uh -huh. uh, we have not seen that symbol before, but if you are a historian, you'd recognize it. Um, so the, uh, the proprietor says, a pleasant day to you from the Ranchito staff. Uh, would you care to check your bags, your weapons, perhaps? And one of the masked guys says, we've come for Cam. Cam? Hmm, Cam, let's see. Nope, never heard of him. Sorry. Uh, and then a probe says, but sir, I am showing Mr. Cam registered here. Senator Tenzel Cam of the planet Bismol, former hmm. legionnaire matter eater land. I can have him paged if you like. And the proprietor is uh, um, a little. I stock uh, guy, right? Oh, and there's Yay, ice, take a drink. I stock guy in, in panel five. So everybody take a drink. Um, thank you, Jim, for that. Yes. And so the proprietor says, uh, oh, Tenzel Cam. Well, why didn't you say so? I thought you meant shut up and page him. <laughs> uh, and then so we hear, please pick up the gold courtesy phone. That's Senator Tenzel Cam. And uh, he is just getting out of a swimming pool. And he's got these little uh, floaty things. Uh, water wings on his back and goggles and he's great flan can a hard-working senator get a moment's peace and quiet and calorie queen says i wouldn't know i've never met one and he says okay valid point yeah and so so now we are at the palace of evilo prince of tartarus and it looks pretty dark and pretty grim and pretty red there and uh, tartarus is thinking or uh evilo is thinking embarrassing really sending my royal guard to play passenger pickup, risking UP sanctions for abducting an elected official, all because those daughters of mine suddenly can't live unless they meet a genuine legionnaire. Am I capable of denying these girls anything? And so a probe comes in and says, the legionnaire guests have arrived, Prince Evilo. Shall I show them to the regal suites? And Evilo says, certainly not. They can sleep in the guest hall like any other commoner. Yes, your highness. And he says, thanks by the demons. Actors, musicians, and now this. What next? Oh, for the days when I could satisfy my daughters with an actor wearing a plastic duck head. And a uh, redhead woman uh, interrupts him and says, Are we having company, dear? <laughs> and he says, Good Lord, Eve, put some clothes on. And she says, I thought you liked me to dress like this. And he says, You're Saturn Queen, First Lady of Tartarus. When you're in public, act like it. But, and he, then he mutters, And I thought you'd be a challenge. So is this chronologically the first appearance of Saturn Queen in the timeline? Um, it depends on which version of Saturn Queen you're talking about. Yeah, wibbly uh, wobbly, timey wimey. Because yeah, originally because Saturn Queen was from the future, from the Adult Legion era, right? Yeah. Correct. And so, so I've been reading through the Baxter run, and in that version of the Legion of Supervillains, um, Cosmic King is surprised the Legionnaires recognize him because he had just left Venus for the first time, so I took that as his first appearance in the timeline. So we've got, um, uh, basically she showed up at different ages and different timelines. Yeah. She was an adult. She was an adult in the time of Superman with the Adult Legion and Superman right. 147. That was her first appearance. And then she was an adult with the Adult LSV in the time of the regular Legion, like Adventure 331. Um. So she didn't come from the future. The Legion of Supervillains didn't come from the future at that point. No, at when when she's met the regular teenage Legion, right. she was from the present. She was. I always got I always got the impression they were always from the future. At least that trio. 
Uh, it's kind of confusing. And then we saw an adult lightning Lord and then we saw a teenage lightning Lord mm. and that whole thing is a mess. And it's best <laughs> not to think about it. Okay. <laughs> it will make your brain hurt. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, back to the story, uh, elsewhere we see, uh, uh, Tenzel and Breck. Uh, remember we, uh, we last saw them, um, uh, in a space station, and um, Tenzel was eating Breck's head, mm-hmm. um, and that is not a euphemism. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, Breck is saying, uh, and we didn't lift a finger. Come on, mm-hmm. Breck, don't sweat it. Tartarus is now a UP world. I'm a bigwig to these guys. And Breck is like, we just let them haul us to this big rock. Hey, nobody's going to mess with a diplomat. Tell him, Cal. And she says, Tenzel's right, Breck. As a UP head of state, Prince Evolo has no choice but to treat us honorably. And Breck goes, Evolo, Evolo, as in founder of the Devil's Dozen? Boba Fett. Boba Fett. And, <laughs> That's totally what that makes and, me think of. <laughs> and Tenzel says, well, actually, the Devil's half dozen. He never did scrape together 12 members. And that's a joke I've been making for years. Yeah. So I guess they stole it from me. Yeah. Uh, the closest he got. Was I think five, when we well, covered the uh, the that Evilo story from Adventure, we we called it the Devil's Half Dozen as well, uh, yes. based mainly on this. Yes. So uh, the closest he got was five. Well, six if you count Sugin twice. <laughs> and if you remember, if you remember, uh, Sugin got banished to the realm of darkness uh, for being incompetent. <laughs> um, for for bringing in bouncing boy who was flying with his flight ring and he thought that was an actual power and oh. Evilo said you're an idiot I'm banishing you to the realm of darkness <laughs> uh, and Tenzel continues but you know maybe we're going about this wrong maybe Evilo's not such a bad guy once you get past the name and the funny haircut maybe and, and Brett goes oh sure okay so the guy grows horns out of his head when he gets angry but at least he doesn't keep his feelings bottled up like so many people these days. <laughs> and Breck says, yeah, if we don't watch our step, Evilo's could, horns could eliminate us permanently. Like Sugin, who's never been heard from since Evilo zapped him with those horns. And so Evilo pops in with a quoof and a, and a cloud of smoke. And a forehead. And it's a fa- <gasps> Take a drink. For what? A forehead. forehead. Ah, forehead, yeah. Uh, a fate you not need worry about, my friends, so long as we can reach an accommodation. And then, uh, so we're in a another room with a couple of teenage girls, and one of them saying, "It's him. He's really here." He was like, I, "I, I can't believe it's really happening. I swear, it's entirely raw, entirely savage to the extreme." <laughs> oh, Daddy's just gotta let us meet him. If he doesn't, I'll swear to Mephistus, I'll just croak. And Evilo continues, what I ask is a simple favor, <clears throat> my friends. And Calorie Queen's like, you've no right to hold us. We demand immediate release. You demand? You do not demand of, we, of me, woman. The last to do so is now part of the foundation of my summer fortress. Oh, my. And Tenzel says, well, I think our government might lodge just a teensy protest over such a treatment. Much as we'd be thrilled with a rewarding career in the construction industry, so what do you say, Breck? Do we kowtow to this interstellar hoodlum? And Breck says, uh, wouldn't you just meet the girls so we can get out of here? Okay, okay, fine. I can kowtow. It's settled then. Perhaps it's the quick signing of my memoirs. And Evolo says, Stiletta, Sticks, you can come in now. 
And the two girls rush in and, and bowl over Tenzel. Dark Lord, it's really him. Oh, Breck. Oh, Breck. And Tenzel says, whoa, whiplash, personal injury, as he gets knocked over. Uh, meanwhile, back in Kundish space, um, we find uh, Rock. Uh, sorry, Joe. Uh, he's, damn, Rock was right. Should have learned Kundish. At least I've memorized the characters for Transportation Center, and this is it. Uh, and then he sees uh, more Dominators without their discs. And he says, whoops, Dominators everywhere. They really are running this place wherever it is. Okay, Joe, nice and smooth. No reason for them to notice your human ears. Mm -hmm. Borrowed Kundish clothes, a little low-key behavior. Nobody has to give you a second look. Now, let's see, what sort of transportation might we procure? Holy grife, this outpost is more backward than I thought. And apparently it's an old spaceship. These relics will never guess out of the atmosphere, and neither will I. I'm stuck here unless I can figure out something. Uh, like, where am I going to find an interstellar craft on this rock? That's R-O-C-K, not R-O-K-K. Yes. And yeah. he, he looks over and finds a sign and says, uh, boldly into a new era, the Dominion and you. English. <laughs> Joe says, the Dominion. Makes sense. If I were running a Kund planet, I wouldn't let the Kunds near the starships either. And there's a sign saying this area forbidden to non-dominator personnel. The dominator, a discless dominator there with a gun. And Joe rushes behind him with a whoosh. And the dominator says, huh? What was that? Hello? Is somebody there? That's it. Keep those eyes stage left. And uh, one, the, the Kund guard talks to another one. Mechanic, in here on the double. Yeah. What have you let in here? Huh? Nothing. This place is code one restricted. I felt something, some kind of breeze. And the mechanic is like, so they finally got some ventilation in here. Look, the ship's secure. What's the problem? The problem is that's the personal transport of the security minister. Are you implying there's something wrong with the way we're servicing it? And the guard says, I'm implying that if anything happens to this little craft, that tiny little disc of yours is apt to dis disappear altogether. Uh, yes, sir. Nothing will happen, sir. And uh, Joe thinks, okay, good, that's that's it. Back to your rounds. One little opening is all I need. And, and as the uh, the guard walks off, muttering, the weight of that disc must be must be causing brain fatigue. Mm. And so back on Tartarus, we are uh, Evilo's Palace uh, Garden of Sticks, S T I C K S. And uh, he's talking with Saturn Queen, Penzel is. And he says this, and aside from those, their questionable taste in heroes, I must say you raised two most attractive daughters, Saturn Queen. Those two, they're not my daughters, Senator Kim. You see, Evilo's wives tend to disappear about as often as his enemies. <laughs> Stiletta and Styx were born about eight wives ago. I am Evilo's twelfth wife. Son of a gun, the old guy got his devil's dozen after all. <laughs> Soon, to be a yes. Soon to be a baker's dozen if the attention you're he's giving calorie queen mean, means anything and he's listen cal won't take any spit from him right now it's you i'm worried about me she says and he says see i figure if you're not here of your own free see i figure you're not here of your own free will yeah you've got mental powers maybe you've tricked evilo resisted his total control for now but just maybe he's starting to wear you down maybe fate brought me here because you needed to be rescued by a handsome prince and she says, oh, you are a funny man. Uh, okay, it was only a theory. And she says, I'm the last person on this world who needs rescuing. He's like, fine, I'll just slink away now. And she says, but I, but 
if I ever needed a handsome prince, you'd be among the first to know. Huh? Really? And then there's an E scream. <laughs> uh, Great galaxies. That's Calorie Queen. And so they, um, uh, we now cut to inside the palace, and uh, Calorie Queen is throwing stuff at Evilo. And he's like, you filthy little two-time worm-eating babooch-faced snake. And he's like, super strength. You've got super strength. That's right, mister. Touch, touch me again with those disgusting little maggot-infested paws of yours, and I'll snap them off, you foul-minded, jelly-sucking mealy bag. Ah, damn, I love a woman with spirit. This is going to be a night to remember. And uh, Tenzel comes in, and he's now in his uh, Matter Eater Lad uniform. And he says, now, didn't I hear the lady ask you very politely to leave her alone? What, you dare? And Calorie Queen says, do you always stop to change your clothes when there's a rescue to be performed? <laughs> and he goes, hey, I'm a legionnaire. When trouble strikes, we put on costumes. And uh, in It's Okay, I'm a Legionnaire, uh, Tom Beerbaum says, mm -hmm. uh, Tenzel is supposed to say, I'm a legionnaire. When trouble strikes, we put on colorful costumes. And ah. Colorful got cut out. I don't know why, but to me, it's pretty vital to the rhythm of that punchline. And now hangs the line hangs pretty limply for me. Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? So anyway, <laughs> Evilo says, you dare invade my chambers? You dare? And uh, Evilo's getting all horny. Hey! And, uh, hey! Hey! hey. Boy, he and, and he's got these horns coming out of his forehead. And Tenzel says, hey, no, come on, you're getting blood all over the carpet. Oh, geez, oh, come on. And he gets blasted by uh, Evilo's horns. And now it's blackness. And so uh, Tenzel's narrating, uh, thinking, yeez, now what? Where, now where's he sent me? <laughs> I'm not even going to look. The horns were bad enough. I don't, don't want to know what's next. Wherever he sent me, if it looks half as bad as it smells, like brimstone, decaying flesh, and the heat, it's incredible. Wait a minute, heat, brimstone. Oh, no, it can't be. Evil wouldn't do this to me. I'm a senator. Right, uh. that's it. I'm just jumping to conclusions. He wouldn't do anything rash to me. He's a reasonable guy. At least he was before he grew the horns out of his head. A little brimstone, a little some rotting flesh, a little insufferable heat. There's any number of explanations. In fact, this is just the, the sort of ambience, ambiance that many Rimborian nightclubs capture perfectly. <laughs> um, uh, and he says, yeah, that's it. I'll open my eyes and there'll be some lovely exotic Rimborian dancer. I'll just open my eyes and she'll be just staring lovingly at me. And he opens his eyes and it's like a zombie uh, guy with his rib cage showing and one eye. Um, uh, it's kind of hanging there, yeah. And, and, and the zombie goes, hello, Tenzel Kim, and welcome to the realm of darkness. And he says, wrong again, and he closes his eyes. Um, and he says, uh, please, please open those eyes again and drink in that scenic splendor that is the realm of darkness. And Tenzel says, if I open my eyes again, you're still going to be standing there, aren't you? Well, yes. I don't suppose there's any way around that? No, I don't think so. No chance of substituting somebody who's, say, more familiar with skincare projects? I have been assigned your guide to this realm, and we can't get started until you open your eyes. And he's like, ah, what the hell? Uh, if you'll pardon the uh, expression. And uh, he's like, see there? This isn't so bad now, is it? Tenzel says, so bad is a relative term. Compared to, say, having my spleen ripped out by man-eating ferrets, 
no, this isn't so bad. And the zombie says, see, you're already learning to appreciate our little realm. Right, absolutely. Interior decoration by Hate Face of the planet Draxler has always been my favorite. Hate Hate Face. face. Hate, hate, hate. Hate Face. (laughs) You make me smile. We should all learn to smile a little more. And uh, you remember Hate Face, the guy whose memorial was on Shanghala? Uh Uh-huh. The face of a devil, the soul of an angel. He rescued millions, yet none could bear his revolting visage. Some say he died in battle. Others say it was his broken heart that killed him. Aww. And uh, Draxler, we saw in Adventure 377, there is a world whose money is in the form of a giant mirror coin. Uh, meanwhile, Tenzel says, uh, yeah, even those of us who are a little weak on the concept of dental hygiene. Now, now, Mr. Kim, here we dawdle when you're overdue to fully experience the wonders of the realm of darkness. Come, we must get to it. Well, gee, a little more dawdling couldn't possibly hurt. Oh, don't worry. You're going to like the realm. Here, you will find contentment, stimulating companionship, and a rewarding career. I see sort of a netherworld version of the North Arcturian school of trucking. Uh, Back in Kundish space, Joe is trying to hotwire the vehicle. Come on, baby, come on. Sheesh, I'm rimboring. I used to do this in my sleep. And that guard's going to come by any second now. Come on, baby. You just got to start up for old Joe. Bloody grave, come on. And then <laughs> something starts up with a floom, which is close enough. Yep, take a drink. Take a drink. And uh, Joe gets thrown back against the hull of the ship. Holy mother of the bloody, whoa. Blam, 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 as the ship goes careening all over the place. <laughs> the bloody thing was engaged. Uh, of all the stupid, outdated, backward ways to build a ship, no disengage mode. Damn, Dominators. And the uh, the Dominator guard who we saw earlier says, uh, and, and another tra- air traffic controller says, this uh, appears to be unauthorized. And uh. one guard says, but I'm not going to be the one to tell the security minister he can't drive like that. And the other one says, I mean, it's okay with me. And so uh, Joe finally takes out. Meow. Uh, I guess that was the attitude control. Gee, so much for the unobtrusive little eggs that I was counting on. Okay, let's see. Got to figure out where I am. And if this chart is to believe, we're deep in Kun territory. Christ, the Kuns are going to have spriglets when they find out the Dominators have infiltrated infiltrated this deep into their empire. But that's their problem. I got to figure out how to limp back to the UP minus a fuel tank and a toy that doesn't even have a hyperdrive. Maybe it can make it as far as Rimbor. Uh, back in the world of darkness, we see uh, Tenzel and his his guide, and, and they are uh, in a land of giant candles. And each of the candles is saying, help, help, somebody help me. I seem to have missed my off-ramp. And uh, the guide says, this, Mr. Kim, is the Valley of Lost Souls. Uh, each of these candles is a lost soul. And Tenzel says, what's that big one on the horizon? The Super Moby Dick of Souls, that is the candle that must never, ever, ever, ever be blown out. Oh, yeah? What happens if it's blown out? Uh, Something horrible. Something unspeakable. What? Mandatory personal grooming? Too horrible. Too horrible. I can't speak about it. And that horrible, huh? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So uh, Tenzel says, so tell me, other than enjoying the stench of rotting flesh, 
Is there a reason you folks don't leave this place? Help, please, lost forever, lost. And, and the, the zombie goes, these handsome shackles of agony. And uh, uh, he's wearing some shackles. And Tenzel says, very sharp, a, uh, a happening fashion statement. Uh, and the guide says, and able to channel thousands of volts of searing pain into our bodies if we dare to disobey the rules. <laughs> help, help me, please. Is this the mm. first left past the second light before the expressway? Uh, Lost uh, souls, I get it. Tenzel uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> is looking at the, uh, the shackles, says style and function, very nice. But what if somebody stood up to the pain? What if somebody decided to do whatever it takes to break out of there? And then and somebody says, no, no, jumping fish hooks. And it's a guy who looks like a flaming skull. And he says, never defy them. I tried, I tried. And they have acted my, activated my shackles for two minutes. Two minutes, and look at me, look at me. Oh, for Pete's sake, Irma, this isn't, isn't that sob story of yours getting a little old? Give them half a reason, and they'll bust open their organs. Melt your bones. Ouch. You want to suffer? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to fall apart like this. And the guy says, no, it's okay, really. And Townsend says, if you hadn't pointed out, I might not have noticed. Pathetic Irma. She'll do anything for a little attention. Tenzel says, on the other hand, I thought she raised some pretty important points, like the part about the bones melting. You could have mentioned that sooner. Oh, but there are more important matters to address, such as the uh, source of those melodic strains. And, and so now we see some uh, some giant musical notes. And uh, Tenzel says, that racket, I assumed it was mating season for the earthquake beasts. beasts. Mm. Have, they, have they gotten loose again? Has that happened? Apparently. And then, so now here's a full page, full page slash of a splash, not a full page slash, Darren. Oh, um, darn. Uh, with uh, giant musical notes, and uh, Tenzel says, "Sweet Maria Sludge Bucket, what the devil is that? That, Mr. Kemp, is the source of this most beautiful of all melodies, the Bags of Eternity." Oh, good lord! Ah, <laughs> uh, the Bags of Eternity, really? I think my aunt used to play cards with them. Uh, uh, and the zombie says, they combine the exhalations of the luckiest souls among us who are privileged to perform in, a, in this celestial orchestra. Uh, and the unlucky ones, I suppose they have to listen to it. You should not mock this orchestra, Tenzel Kim. Oh, for you are to be its newest member. And oh. off to the side of this uh, musical thing, is uh, basically it's a bunch of people breathing. Puff, puff, gasp, wheeze. <laughs> and then uh, so Tenzel gets his place and he's uh, sticks his head in this thing and he's breathing and there's musical notes. He's like, oh, well, yeah. puff, it's a living. Oh, well, it's a living. <laughs> and, uh, and so the guy next to him looks like he's wearing a Fred Flintstone jacket. Coincidentally. Uh, Hence the, and uh, says, yeah. Uh, and, and his whoosh. Wait a minute. That sounds like Sugan, you old blowhard. Is that you? And Sugan goes, aye, it is indeed. And who might you be? Tenzel Kemp, Matter Eater Lad. Sweet Valkyries, the legionnaire who eats matter in all its forms. How are you, lad? <laughs> oh, not bad. Yourself? Oh, fine, fine. Uh, so this is our eternal punishment? Aye, you got to keep blowing these contraptions or they'll pulverize you with the shackles of agony. Do you know about the shackles, lad? Right, organs bursting. I know. I met Irma. 
Well, as far as eternal damnations go, this probably isn't such a bad fate. And Stugan says, I suppose not. And Tenzel says, so when do we take a break? Never. Uh, okay, that's it. This has ceased to be amusing. <laughs> Trying to be a team player is one thing, but this kind of nonstop effort tends to give a guy an appetite, and you don't want to give me an appetite. Yes. Jink. Uh, elsewhere, uh, we have this probe, um, and uh, it's hovering over some machinery, and uh, someone says, uh, nice picture, Rover I-15, looking good. Someone else says, uh, uh, so where, is the he- where the heck is this? The battlefields of Mlaine? And uh, uh, you may recall back in Adventure 324, Mlaine is a war-wrecked world to which shrinking Violet f- fled when the heroes of Lalor tried to capture the team. Uh, this is when Duplicate Boy tracked her here and confessed, confessed his love for her. Uh, and so um, uh, we find uh, NoCam, that, this is Talus. It's a planetoid that's in orbit around Urkenham. Uh, Talus, we've seen twice before, by the way. Uh, it's an artificial satellite made up of the wrecks of junk spaceships. In Action 386, it's where Uli Algor tried to destroy the Legion. And in Superboy 226, it was a temporary base for some resource raiders. Mm. And then Urkenham was the a barren planet uh, with a mountaintop sorcerer's tower where Superboy and Bouncing Boy tracked down Celebrand uh, in that contest to figure out who was the mightiest legionnaire of all. Ah. So Cam says, uh, it looks like a ball of junk. You're asking a legionnaire to headquarter in a ball of junk? Uh, and Rock says, uh, come on, Cam, give Garth a chance. And Garth says, well, Cam's right. That's pretty much what it is, uh, which is why Imra and I located our station there. We thought we'd make our fortune in the salvage business. Give us an overview, please. Um, Rock says, look at that. The whole thing is about two miles across. It's a mother load of technology, some of it centuries old, all of which would be great, Cam says, if we were the Legion of Salvage Heroes. And Rock says, wait a minute, Cam, I think I see Garth's point. Brainy would have a field day out here. Cam says, maybe so, but I don't see anything resembling a headquarters in sight. <laughs> and Garth's like, well, so far I've just been showing the neighborhood. Here comes the homestead now. And, and so we get the zoomed out view of a giant building, which looks like a headquarters of, of, uh, of sorts. Yeah. Um, Vaguely L-shaped. Yeah, that's, that's not bad. Cam says, looks a little uh, rundown to me. It's the fixer-upper, Cam. You guys will have it in shape in no time. Uh, Rock says, yeah, you know, this could be just what we're looking for. I don't know, Rock. This isn't exactly the image the Legion is used to projecting. Well, we don't need a country club, Cam. We need an efficient, functional base, something that will finally get us off Winneth. I say we give it a try. And Cam is like, well, we'll think about it. Uh, meanwhile, back in the realm of darkness, uh, we find Sugin and Tenzel, who are now walking up to the giant candle. And uh, Sugin says, I believe this is very seriously against the rules. Tenzel's like, Sugin, around here, dental checkups are seriously against the rules. Sometimes you just have to answer to a higher law, Tenzel's <laughs> law. Uh, we, we shouldn't be doing this, I tell you. We'll end up like Irma. And Tenzel says, look, it's a simple formula. I eat the shackles, so the shackles can't hurt us, right? We'll be punished. I just know my organs are going to burst. Come on, big guy. Don't bust a Wurlitzer. I got all the angles. <laughs> uh, what angles? Why have you brought me here? 
hey, you're the only man for the job. What job? Nothing much. Just blow that sucker out. And they're at the top of this, uh, the big giant candle. And Sugan says, but, but that's the candle that must never, ever, ever, ever be blown out. And Tenzel says, oh, come on. That wasn't meant to apply to us. But, but you're certain? Trust me, I'm a senator. Well, if you say so. <laughs> and he takes a huge breath and blows out the candle. Uh-huh. And he says, that, that's it. Take a nice deep breath and whoosh. And the candle gets blown out. And then uh, uh, there's a giant wind and it sounds, whoa, batten down the hatches, men. Nail down the women and children. Uh, stow the mission mash. Ow. And they are back in the palace of Evilo. And Sugan says, by blowing out the candle, we've unraveled the dark realm. And says, precisely. And there's some uh, thum thum and some thud thudding in the background. And uh, Calorie Queen says, well, look who finally decided to pop back in. Hal, are you okay? No thanks to you. Where have you been? Oh, God, you wouldn't believe it. To a place that's never heard of Daisy Dent Neutron Breath Spray. Well, while you were out playing around, the opposition party had you declared dead. Really? Hey, that's great. We'll have to get to work on my funeral right away. Uh, nothing <laughs> fancy, you understand. Just like, uh, just one like old King Tut. And, of course, that was the, uh, 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 he doesn't want a fancy uh, funeral, um, just like the uh, the King Tut song from Steve Martin in 1977. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and Tenzel's taking off his uniform, which probably smells. And he says, oh, oh, I can see the celebrities now. Porcupine Pete, arm fall off boy. Crinkles the friendly swine. Man, this is going to be touching. There won't be a dry eye in the house when I rise out of the coffin and deliver my own eulogy. And uh, so now we're watching um, uh, the TV, and it's uh, not uh, Antenna Lad, it's some other guy. Uh-huh. He says, and the checkered flags of mourning are flying all across Bismarck. <laughs> nice. A, checkered flags of mourning. A, a strange coincidence, since today also runs marks the running of the Rockopolis 8, Bismol's greatest motor rate. And uh, so now you can see a dejected-looking Evolo looking out the window, and lots of bodies are falling from the sky. And he's like, this is too much. This is really going to make it hard for me to be existential today. And those thuds we heard were the zombie bodies dropping outside. My realm of darkness destroyed. All the exiled souls returning to my principality. And Brett comes in and says, you wanted to see me? Oh, yes, Mr. Bannon, I, I hear you've agreed to stay here to train my gifted daughters and their abilities they've inherited from me, mold them into superhero material. And he says, that's right. Well, Mr. Bannon, just remember this. You lay one hand on either of them, and you'll know why the geldings sing. Oh, hello. Uh, and then uh, we get some uh, a bunch of speech bubbles. Evilo, 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 Thaddeus. Huh? What? No, it can't be. My wives, they returned. No, no, no. Uh, and, and so now um, Saturn Queen is there and says, welcome to the family, Mr. Bannon. Uh, and so now the last page of the story is uh, Tenzel taking off. He's talking to uh, Calorie Queen on a, um, on a TV screen. Well, Cal, I'll hate to leave you behind, but I don't want to be late to my own funeral. Uh, well, actually, Senator, I'm afraid I got some bad news about that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. They've, they've canceled your funeral. Decided you don't meet the qualifications. And he's like, darn, now I'm really disappointed. And, and she says, me too. They'd have ske- they had scheduled a cremation. <laughs> and he says, well, then I guess I suppose 
I suppose it's back to Parliament for this lab. And she says, in fact, not. Your seat was officially vacated. The opposition party won't relent on that. Well, galloping galaxies, how will they ever suitably replace me? And she says, well, um, actually, they found an eminently qualified candidate. And she says, he goes, why, Cal? Congratulations. Thanks, but I got to run. Active life of a congresswoman, you know? And she turns off uh, the vid, and he goes, right. Hasta bismal. Well, how do you like that? Cal finally got what she wanted. And as for this ex-politico, I guess it's time to chart a new course. So what will it be? Lingerie inspector? Interior <laughs> decorator? Tobacconist? Or, no, wait. It's been at least 10 years since I've saved the universe, and I was pretty darn good at it, too. Computer, chart a course for winning. Uh, and the credits. Tom and Mary, Mary Bierbaum, Plot and Dialogue. Keith Giffen, Story Assistant Pencils. And it's normally he gets this, the uh, plot and dialogue. That's right, yeah. And they get the uh, story assist. Al Gordon and Carlos Garzon inks, John Workman Letter, Tom Acraw colorist, and Dan Raspler, slave to the rhythm. So, slave to the rhythm. <laughs> so, probably the last time uh, Tenzel saved the universe was when he ate the miracle machine, right? Probably. Uh, to stop Omega. Best, yes, that's the best that I can recall because he didn't really save the universe. Uh, Anytime after that, yeah, you know, after he after he got cured, right? Yeah, um, he was busy senating. That's right. Um, so the uh, we get to the the, um, uh, the Omnicom page, which is a Legion communique from Loomis to Cam, dated December twenty seventh, twenty nine ninety five, and um, this is how. Um, we date what's going on inside the issue. Um, we know from the source book that the Legion was formally reinstated on December 14th. Uh, this is on December 27th. And uh, they, the Legion establishes headquarters on Talus on the 28th. So uh, if you do the math, uh, Tenza was probably in the realm of darkness for about 10 days in there while they had him declared dead. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, and if somebody will uh, handle the Omnicom while I might let my dog out who's barking at me. Yeah, I got it. I got it. All right. So despite the noblest of – or sorry. So it's Legion Communique, December 27th, 2995. Two cam from Loomis, RE, uh, disposition of proposed new headquarters. Despite the noblest of intentions, your good friend Garth of your good friend Garth, uh, it turns out, has a rather romanticized version of the space station he's granted us. What he describes as a promising fixer-upper is, alas, more of a terror downer. What Garth never suspected is that his most recent tenants, who moved out about a year ago, neglected, eliminated, and otherwise abused much of the station's high-tech capacity. Apparently, they had little use for it, since as near as I can figure, they were running what might be described as an interplanetary rest stop. Yes. It's my sad duty to inform you that what was once the proud prototype station for the proposed Lightning Ring Space Salvage Network is now more of a local franchise for Massagerama. That doesn't mean we can't whip this thing into pretty good shape on a fairly reasonable budget. Oh, those are strong. Those maybe not the right words. Um, yeah. The price Whip is right. Yeah. Shape, yeah. yeah. And the superstructure is definitely what you want. Fair warning, though. I think we're talking something in the mid-seven-figure range to bring this baby up to specs. 
The good news is the structure provides the kind of armor needed to hold out anything this side of the Kuns and hold in just about anything of Braniac 5s that might go awry. That's yeah, important consideration. The salvage business must have been damn competitive if Garth and Imra thought their stations needed this kind of shielding. And Garth's right. Talus itself is a tinkerer's paradise. The planetoid is literally made up of the mashed-together hulks of eons worth of spacecraft. They seem to have collected... Uh, they seem to have collected in a Lagrangian point created by Erkenhorn and its largest, largest moon. An ancient Dominion battle wagon is at the core, still generating enough artificial gravity to attract an occasional addition to the collection. There are signs of some mi minor habitation of Talus in the past, particularly a, fan a fascinating set of catacombs throughout the planetoid. Fa facilities at the station itself are extensive, but mostly neglected and so desperate in need of attention since Misajarama apparently only bothered with maintenance on the Vibrofingers equipment. Mm. Uh, there's also a small fleet of shuttles and salvage rigs but these tubs will serve as little more than basic transportation you're going to need to trade up significantly if you ever want to show your face at the local drag strip the biggest problem with the station is power capacity I'm just the hired help but from what I can see the station is now configured probably only going to deliver about 25% of what you need I suggest you reshell the entire daylight exposure with solar receptive shielding uh, which would give you enough power to accommodate just about any experiment Brainiac 5 could dream up. But don't mention it to him in those terms. That kid will consider it a challenge. Mm -hmm. They've got some really cute security devices here, but they're mostly designed with the SP Vice Squad in mind, so count on investing, some significant, some, uh, investing significantly in security, monitoring, and shielding technology. As you know, you could cut the monitoring costs in half by staffing the place with probes, but you also know how I feel about that sort of thing. Let's leave the mechanical work to the mechanicals. The Massagerama folks did install enough extra sleeping arrangements to accommodate your whole crew and then some, but you'll want to budget for an interior makeover unless you have a fondness for crushed velvet. I yeah, I particularly recommend you replace the bathing facility uh, facilities which tend to be heart-shaped. Um, our predecessors ran a respectable coffee shop uh, type facility that can convert nicely to meet your dining needs. Excess hangar space will easily accommodate the required meeting halls, training facilities, etc. Anyway, let me know ASAP if this is a go. Folks, it's going to take a little time. There we go. Uh, one, one, one quick uh, point about that. They mentioned uh, it's a Lagrangian point. That is a, um, a term for uh, a spot between two objects in space where the gravity balances out. So, huh. like, there's a, there's a point um, between the Earth and the moon called the Lagrange point. And basically, you can set up a, uh, a satellite there and it'll stay there. You don't have to do any corrections to keep it where it is. Uh, gravity and physics does all the same, oh, or does wow, all that. Cool. That's yeah. an actual, real, real-world physics term, not a uh, like comic book physics term. Ah, that that's interesting. Where does it where does it get the name? I uh, discovered it. it. A, a guy named Lagrange, and there are there are five points. Um, in 
in a particular system. So like you've got the Earth, Moon, there are five points where you can put a satellite and it'll stay there. There are five points wow. where you can do it between the Earth and the Sun and a satellite will stay there. And it very just cool. has to do with, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very elegant how it works out. Yeah. Sometimes, also, sometimes it's a... Physics, sometimes physics is kind of neat that way. Yeah. Also, isn't it easier to, like, leave your system if you go through them because you don't have to, like, you can use the gravity of the other side to pull you through or what have you? Maybe uh, well, that's like that. a gravity assist. Like, if you, uh, when we want to send a space program, space probe out to Jupiter, right. uh, we don't have enough um, speed to get it out there, so we send it to Venus instead, and then it zips around Venus and picks up speed and mm. then heads to Jupiter. Makes I think sense. That's, what that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, well, no, I, I thought it was actually took less, uh, like, when you're sending something away from the planet, if you send it through the the, the Lagrange point, it takes less uh, effort, I guess. Well, yeah, if you're already at that spot, then then it doesn't take much to get out of there. To get out of it, because the gravity will grab you one way or another. Right. Whichever direction you're going. Okay. That's probably so, what here we go. So if you put a base there and you base yourself there, it's easy to send stuff to your two different locations right so easy to, and, and you also don't need any fuel for um attitude control like you you don't have to keep it spend you don't have to use any fuel to stay there gravity so, does it all for you huh. cool and that is of course named for joseph louis uh, lagrange who um well he's been dead a long time <laughs> Fair enough. um just just over 200 years in fact so there you go. Pretty impressive discovery. Um, not bad. Not years. bad <laughs> yeah, at I'd all. I'd say that's up there with finding your keys in the morning. Yeah, right? Um, that's ridiculous. So I wonder if he just theorized it and then they proved it later. Pretty much. I would think, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know how he would have done it 200 years from... That's amazing. Math. It's just math. math. Yeah, yeah, but but that that's... Well, improving it. Yeah, it's just uh, that's some, some amazing shit, I gotta say. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, a few passages from um, It's Okay, I'm a Senator. Uh, Tom writes that Keith altered a couple of our original ideas for the climax of the story and in doing so greatly improved it. My, my initial idea was that to unravel Evolo's dark underworld, they had to stare into the eye of Isaiah, which would turn out to be implanted in a statue of a guy in a Detroit Pistons basketball uniform. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> in addition to being generally uninspired and not a great visual, Keith knew DC would shoot this down. In that era, and maybe it's still true today, DC was hypersensitive about ever depicting actual persons. Uh, they'd had a lot of problems when the estates of late performers like W.C. Fields and the Mark Brothers, who would take legal action every time the names or images of those performances were used. Uh -huh. It got to the point where they were even giving people trouble about using Hitler. Jesus. So even a veiled reference to basketball star Isaiah Thomas was not going to fly. I don't think it was that Keith, veiled. Yeah. <laughs> not if you're going to use the logo. Uh, Keith therefore came up with the Monty Python-esque <gasps> handle that must never, ever, ever be blown out. Take a drink. Take a drink, everybody. Yep. Thank, thank you, Tom. I, I can't, but go ahead. Yes. You can you can you do it in, you I'm join us in it. spirit. I'm miming it. Yeah. Uh this is a great visual and it makes perfect use of the powers of Tenzel's sidekick in the underworld. 
the old devil's dozen villain Sugan. Uh, initially, Sugan's power was to drink great quantities of water and spit it out in a powerful stream. But Keith logically extended that power and had Sugan take deep breaths and exhale great gales. We brought back Sugan because he'd been exiled to Evelo's underworld in the old Devil, Devil's Dozen story back in Adventure 351. It made sense that Tenzel would find Sugan down there when Tenzel himself was sent off to the underworld. The other change Keith made was replacing idea for the people down in the underworld playing eternally into an accordion or, or in an accordion orchestra to the one giant accordion that all the doomed souls were huffing and puffing into. In this case, I think one idea would have worked out about as well as the other, but Keith's way was way easier to draw. And Keith's idea also made good use of Sugan. Mm. All told, the story came together pretty well, I thought. And upon rereading, I realized that one of the other necessarily necessary plot elements the story accomplished was to get Tenzel kicked out of the Bismalian parliament so that he could rejoin the Legion. It turned out Tenzel was considered officially dead during his time in Evelo's underworld, and the opposition was eager to use that uh, technicality of him not being alive to get him removed from office. Keith added the great idea that Tenzel gets excited about orchestrating an, an extravagant funeral for himself, a twist that pays off in a number of pretty funny lines over the story's last couple of pages. This issue also introduces the Legion's new headquarters on the planetoid slash junk vault palace i regret that we got so little opportunity to tell legion stories uh based from this very interesting headquarters the legion worked out of a former salvage station on a wad of centuries old maroon spacecraft in later issues we had adventures within the wrecked ships that make up the planetoid and we even met some of the remains of the ancient astronauts and uh that's the relevant stuff that there you go uh, has to say mm-hmm Ah, <laughs> uh, Tenzel. Yep. For yeah. the defense, sir. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that we got the use again of his catchphrase, it's okay, I'm a senator. Um, and I suppose for Calorie Queen, it would be, it's okay, I'm a congresswoman. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. So it's a good thing. Uh, so Tom had uh, also answered another one of my questions um, a few weeks ago. He said, I asked, how far ahead had you planned the series at the beginning? In that Amazing Heroes article, which came out before uh, issue one, it mentions that you wanted to bring in new characters like Kent Shakespeare, who doesn't appear until issue 12. And Tom said Keith had years of plot lines in mind from the start, many of which he didn't get to, such as Vrykos and Ivy joining the team. Mm -hmm. We all created new characters, such as Al Gordon's creation of Kent, and Keith really kept track of our creations and made sure they got prominent roles, but he unselfishly let his own new characters, Ivy and Vrykos, mostly on the sidelines, um, as he allowed the general storylines to take on lives of their own. Hmm. That was pretty much what I said. Yeah. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, no, it's a, that, yeah, it's a, that's an interesting look at it as sort of the way... You know, I mean, when when we spoke to Tom, he was uh, uh, when he was on the show. You know, he one of the things that he said was just how generous uh, Keith was creatively. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, he he really gave uh, gave the people working with him a lot of latitude. Um, you know, so uh, you know, and uh, and encouraged them, and uh, and really sort of helped foster that creativity, which is awesome. 
All right. Hmm. What else do we have, sir? Uh, well, I've got some historical <laughs> items, unless anybody has anything else. What? Hysterical items? Historical. Uh, you, may uh. find his you may find them hysterical. <laughs> uh, so 35 years ago, 1984, was uh, Legion Baxter run number five, the last part of the uh, supervillains war. Uh, 35 years ago was, that makes me feel old. Yeah. Um, let's see, 20 years ago, 1999, in JSA number four, uh, Morju is defeated by the JSA and trapped in the helmet of Nabu. 10 years ago, 2009, uh, the Legion cartoon season one DVD box set came out, and we're still waiting on the season two box set or the complete series yes. box set. And also in 2009, uh, Action Comics was in the um, storyline in which Monel was kind of taking over the Superman role. Uh, Monel was presumed dead, but not really. It was just fake news. <laughs> and then uh, 900... I got better. Oh, I'll take a drink. Uh, yeah, so Monel is presumed dead, but Superman can't find the time to get him out of the Phantom Zone. Because he's a dick. Yeah. Uh, and then 940 years from now, this week, uh, September 21st, uh, happy will have been going to have been birthdayed uh, Mice and Al, who, turns, uh, who will turn negative 940 this, uh, this week. Oh, good for her. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't look, doesn't look a day under 900. Exactly. Negative, negative, negative 900, 900, yes. Exactly. All right, then. Uh, in the interest of getting Darren to bed, let's do this. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Hey now. See, who knew it was who knew, who knew doing this the, is where this yeah. was going to wind up. Yeah, who knew that the bumper uh the bumper thing at the end of the episode would be the sweet the sweet spot. Mm. Comments as always are welcome at Legion of Substitute Podcasters uh, at gmail.com. You can join in the conversation on our Facebook page, which can be found at Facebook uh, dot Legion of Substitute Podcasters.com. We are on the Twitter. We are LOSP Podcast. And in addition to all those things, you can head over to our website, Legion of Substitute Podcasters.com, where you can leave a comment on this or any episode. And with that, we make our way back into the time bubble, apparently for like 12 days, and we're gonna they're gonna presume us dead and replace us at everything. But we got better. Would that make us the substitutes? Substitute podcasters. Oh my gosh. Yes. Aww. Yes. All right. And we will see you all next week. Tenzel Kim for every office in North America. <laughs> <laughs>